Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. I walked out of my uh, accommodation today, walked past a random guy and I said, good morning, nothing, don't worry about it, it's fine. And I realized, have ever said something awkward in your life? And sometimes you just got to own it. Who knows that God's not ashamed of you? Aren't you glad that God is not ashamed of you? Aren't you glad that he looks at you and he's like, there's my daughter, there's my son, all of heaven, come around, have a look here. And just want to encourage you with a word before we get started. And I wasn't planning on sharing this, but during praise and worship tonight, I was just sitting. And you know, when you have an expectation to hear from God, it's amazing how often God meets you. When you have a hunger, the Bible says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We talked about this in kids this morning, right? About how when you go to an all-you-can-eat buffet, you sit at the table and you can be really, really hungry. But if you're waiting for the waitress or the waiter to come to you, you're going to be hungry the whole night. Because at an all-you-can-eat buffet, you got to get up. you got to get the plate. you got to put the food that's already prepared. Say, it's already prepared. You got to put it on your own plate. And why? Because God has adopted you into his family. He expects you to act like a son and a daughter. He expects you to act like you belong. That's why so many of us never receive from God. Because we're too busy acting like servants. We're too busy acting like we don't belong. I'm not worthy. I'm not this. And just in praise and worship, God gave me his beautiful vision. I started crying while I was in praise and worship. And he showed me this beautiful picture of my wedding day. And I remember standing, uh, and, and you know, kids, you probably think this is gross, but you know, whatever. I was standing at the, at the, on the altar on our wedding day, and we had an outdoor wedding, and there's a couple of hundred people there. And I remember there was this big tree, and as my wife started walking down the, around the kind of aisle, you know, there's so many, there's so many distractions. There's people with photos. There's birds, there's trees, there's, there's so many things that could distract me. But on that day, my eyes were fixed. I was waiting for my wife to walk around the corner. And the moment that I saw her, I didn't take my eyes off her. Even though there's people standing up, looking around, trying to take photos, people going, oh my gosh, she looks so gorgeous. My eyes were fixed. As she walks down, the Lord said, Sean, I'm standing at the altar. He goes, I waited thousands of years for my son to come and redeem you so that you could be my perfect, pure, spotless bride. And I want you to know, I never took my eyes off you. I've looked through the past. I've looked through everything you've missed, everything that's happened. And I just want you to know, my eyes are always on you. And I've watched you from the moment you were born, and I've kept my eye on you all my day. I've been waiting for the day that you would come to the revelation that you're pure. You're a son. You're a daughter. You belong. You have kingdom rights, kingdom authority. You have access to the throne room of heaven. You have access to heaven's storehouses. You have access to the blessing, to his anointing. You have access. As I'm standing there and just cry. Because I realize that's how he feels about us. And so often, what is the devil's job? To make you doubt what God said about you is true. 
to make you fear that what God said won't come to pass. That's his job. And Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's job is to get you to believe that what he said is true. And so tonight, as we come around the Word, I just want to encourage you, it's time to have a greater level of expectation. It's time to lift. It's time to say, I belong. I have kingdom rights. No more am I going to be tossed to and fro like the raging winds and waters of the seas. I'm going to have my eyes fixed on Jesus. My eyes are fixed on his word and on his promises. And I'm going to be like that righteous man in Psalm 112. It says, he shall not be moved because his heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And tonight, I'm telling you, my heavenly daddy, he loves you. And you are one revelation of his love away from a supernatural life. One revelation of his kingdom rights and authority in your life from supernatural breakthrough. There is a great breaking loose that is going to pour out in these coming days. And I'm telling you, God, we're not waiting for God. God's saying, hello, all you can eat buffet. I'm waiting for my people to realize who they are and start to act like who they are. Amen? Amen. So good. So here's what we're going to do. Let me pray. And let's commit this time, because if we just get a word from Brother Sean, you're going to be miserably disappointed. We need Holy Spirit. Amen. Because, you know, this book here, this book, if you read it in the natural, it makes no sense. If you just read this, kids, this is so important. If you just read the Bible and think your logic is going to figure it out, you're going to be very disappointed. You're going to be a frustrated Christian and you're going to get saved and you're going to limp your life living like hell till you get to heaven. And that's never been God's plan. This book is discerned by the Holy Spirit and it's a book of revelation. It's like, it's like a secret code hidden and the Holy Spirit unlocks it when you get revelation. That's why Jesus said, I don't know if you've heard this, where Jesus prophesied what Isaiah said. He said, having ears to hear, the people don't hear. Huh? What? They have ears. Of course they heard. He's saying, no, but they didn't hear the truth of what I was saying. Having eyes to see, they don't see. What? They've got eyes. They saw the miracles. But what happened? They didn't see beyond. They didn't see beyond that Jesus was saying, hey, this is for you. Hey, I came to redeem you. Hey, there's more for you. They didn't see it. And so we've got to be people who say, Holy Spirit, that's why we need the Holy Spirit. He is the helper to help you navigate your life and go, what do I need? And everything you need is in here. So if you never read this, then that's probably part of your frustration and disappointment in your life. If you're struggling with fear and doubt and unbelief, the Word of God is the only cure for fear and unbelief. There is no other cure. You can sit in the corner and say, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, and self-talk to the cows come home. But if it's not based in His Word, it won't work, right? Self-talk is good. It is good, and it's an important part of Christianity and the Christian walk. But you've got to speak what God says about you. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, right? And so that's why the Word's so important. And it wouldn't matter if you read one verse, if you just chewed on one verse, if you just chewed on one thing that God said about you all day long, all week long. Sometimes I can't even get past. The other day I was reading Mark 4, and there was like three verses. 
And I couldn't get past. You know where there's the waves of the sea and, and Jesus is asleep in the boat. Go figure. Jesus is completely at peace. And these, these, these fishermen who've lived on the sea their whole life, they're flipping out. And they're like, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? I can just see myself doing it. Jesus, don't you care? I've got no ministry. Jesus, don't you care? I can't pay my mortgage. Can you see yourself saying that? Can you reflect back where you've done that? Jesus, don't you care? They're bullying me. Don't you care? I got diagnosed with cancer. And Jesus wakes up. And who knows, when you wake up, normally you're like a smidge grumpy. Who's one of those people? You're, like, you're just like a tiny grumpy. And it takes you a few minutes, takes you a few minutes to get into faith again, right? You know, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, just kind of getting up. But not Jesus. He wakes up, boom, he's in faith. And he just looks at him and he goes, why are you so afraid? How is it? This is what wrecked me that you have no faith. Oh my gosh, I've been coming to church all my life, and that's me. How is it you have no faith? I've been right here with you. And he turns, uses his words, rebukes the, sea, rebukes the storm, commands the sea to be still, and boom. And the disciples fall on their knees, and the Bible says, in great fear and trembling, and they say, who is this man? And I want to tell you, Jesus said, the works that I do, you can do also. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the difference? Jesus had a revelation of who God said he was, and yeah. he didn't dare believe anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the key to our children walking with Jesus in power and dominion and authority all the days of their life. There is no reason for our children to ever wander astray. And even if they so should, there is no reason for us to ever be in fear because God's word says it's going to be true. It's going to be yes and it's going to be amen. Psalm 112 says, Blessed is the man or woman who fears and trusts and delights in the word of the Lord. Their children, that man, that woman's children shall be mighty on the earth. It's not a might be mighty on the earth, could be mighty on the earth. If you pray enough, it says if you delight yourself as a parent in the Lord, your kid's going to be mighty on the earth. And I got something better for you. And it says if you'll do that, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Which means there ain't no lack. There ain't supposed to be broke, poor Christians. People that don't know Jesus are supposed to be broke and poor. But people that know Jesus are supposed to have more than enough. But there's so many key fundamentals we have to get on the inside of us. And I couldn't get past these three verses. I kept reading it going, oh my goodness, that's me. I've been in church for so many years. How is it I have no faith? How is it I have no... And then, and then you get this picture and God's like, Sean, I never took my eyes off you. I never took my eyes off you. I'm like, are you kidding? I've had so many times in my life of doubt, fear, and unbelief, and God's like, never took my eyes off you. Never took my eyes off you. Never took my eyes off you. I want to encourage you today. Jesus really loves you. You are one revelation away. I've said it twice. I'll say it again. One revelation away from a whole new life. So let's pray. And in the short time we have together, I believe that God wants to not only deposit something, 
Pastor Sam, Pastor Kay, the team have spoken. I'm sure your, your theme is believe, right? Is, is uh, how do we believe and, and, and working on this. And there's been seeds, there's been messages that have been deposited in your heart. And the Holy Spirit wants to quicken it and bring it to fruitfulness, right? A word is never supposed to sit dormant in your heart. It's supposed to bear fruit, right? And how does it bear fruit? You've got to tend it. You've got to look after it. So let's pray and let's get into the word tonight. Father, I just thank you in the mighty name of your son, Jesus, the one whom we trust, the one whom we serve, the one who we believe. And Lord, according to your word, you say that where two or more gather, we can expect you in the midst of us. So I know that you're here tonight. Father, I ask you to think through my mind, speak through my mouth. Tonight, Holy Spirit, quicken this word to hearts. I declare supernatural revelation right now in Jesus' name to come into hearts and lives. I thank you for creative miracles. I thank you right now for wisdom, for creativity and ideas, for businesses, breakthrough in families, breakthrough in finance. I thank you the spirit of fear and heaviness is cast out of this place of every person. I thank you every devil, every strategy of hell runs out of this room at the sound of the authority and the anointing of your word. And we believe it, we receive it, and we call it done in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Well, tonight I want to talk to you about something very, very simple, but something very fundamental that's going to really help you in your faith. And it's about the power of how to believe God. How do you believe God and see breakthrough in your life? Especially, who's been walking with Jesus more than 10 years? A lot of people. Who still, after 10 years of walking with Jesus, still has some frustrations in your life? Right? Come on. Now, new people, have a look around. Right? We're all on this journey, and the longer we go, you can walk with Jesus 80 years of your life and still be frustrated if you don't dig deep into his word. You can walk with Jesus one year and have more revelation in one year than someone that walked with Jesus their whole life because you hungered and thirst for righteousness, and you chose to open your heart to truth and say, God, show me who I am. And so tonight I want to talk to you about something that Jesus taught really powerfully, and he talked about this concept of When you pray, you must believe that you receive what you ask for when you pray. And, And that is a concept to the natural mind that makes no sense. Would you agree? Well, because what we do is if I walk, I mean, kids, this is a great example. Kids, you walk up to mom or dad and you say, mom or dad, can I have McDonald's? Now, regardless of what they say, Have you got it yet? No. So the natural mind goes, how can I believe that I received when I asked? That makes no sense. That doesn't happen in real life. But it's God's kingdom, which is different from this natural world. And God's kingdom is a spiritual law, which is higher than natural law. And spiritual spiritual things govern natural things. That's how God's kingdom works, right? Spiritual law governs natural. And here's a great example. Your physical body, right, is a natural thing, but your spirit and your soul are spiritual. So what is fear? Like, can somebody grab a can full of fear for me? Can you bottle it up? It's not. Fear is a spirit. So what happens is you can be perfectly no no problems at all, and you can be standing in worship feeling great, and someone whisper in your ear, Your son just got hit by a car and is in hospital and is almost dead. What happens? Nobody hit you. Nobody nobody punched you. 
What happened? The spirit of fear came on your life, and what happens to your physical body? You tremble. You tremble. Why? The spirit world governs the natural. Governs your natural body. So that's what doubt and fear and unbelief do. You come into this meeting tonight, and I'm telling you, you're going to leave. Your faith is going to be stirred tonight, and you're going to leave, and you're going to be full of faith, and you're going to go outside, and what's going to happen? Doubt, the spirit of doubt, the spirit of fear, the spirit of anxiety, all these things are going to try and come on you, and they're going to try and rest on you, and it's up to you to know the truth and say, no thanks, I've been set free from that. Right? Let me show you a verse from Romans 8, chapter 2. I think that we've got it. Romans 8, chapter 2. And the Apostle Paul, he got a revelation of this, right? And we're going to have a look at it up here on the screen. It says, for the law of the Spirit. Everyone say law. law. For the law of the Spirit, which means a thing that governs, stays the same. The law of the Spirit, have a look, of life in Christ Jesus, listen, has set me free from the laws of sin and death. Everyone say, I'm free. I'm free. Your kingdom right is to be free from fear. Your kingdom right is to be free from worry. That's why Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. What was he doing? He's teaching you, you don't have to put up with that anymore. That's why he said, let not or don't let. Look at the person next to you say, don't let. And what's Jesus doing? He's saying, hey, hey, it's your responsibility to know your kingdom rights. And if you don't know it, that's your problem. And what's the the devil going to do? He's counting on you not knowing. You know know the saying, ignorance is bliss. No, ignorance will kill you. Ignorance is not bliss, right? Ignorance is bliss for a moment. And then all of a sudden, the realization of, whoa, the responsibility lies with me. Jesus is not coming to your house to pray for you. He's not coming to, the ha- to your house to make you read your Bible. But he will prompt you by the Holy Spirit and say, remind you, this is who you are. You don't have to put up with this anymore. You don't have to put up with being broke. You don't have to put up with these things going on in your home. You don't have to put up with fear. You don't have to put up with going from job to job to job. You don't have to put up with it if you don't want. Why? Because Jesus said, what I did for you canceled the law of sin and death, fear, worry, sickness, debt, depression, all those things you had no hold of. You was, you were, we were under the law. There was no way you could be free. And Jesus came. You've got to understand, Jesus didn't just come so you could go to heaven. You could go to heaven before Jesus came if you kept the commandments. Jesus came to redeem your kingdom rights as a child of God. So the blessing of God. Jesus didn't need God's blessing. He was already blessed. Think about it. Jesus is in heaven with God. He's already as blessed as he could be. Why would Jesus need to come to get himself blessed? He came so you could be adopted into God's family and God's blessing, Jesus' blessing, could come on you. That's why he came. Getting saved is like kindergarten. Giving your life to Jesus and getting a ticket to heaven is like entry level. It's like whatever in karate, the lowest belt you can get. 
right? And we make such a big deal of salvation. And salvation is key. It's the first step to entering in, but then there's so much more. And this is what the devil's counting on. He's counting on you not realizing there's more. And so what happens is, when you begin to read the Word of God and understand how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to believe, you'll see that it results in people who are strong, people who are confident in the Lord, people that are not emotional, right? Like this, they're people who are steady. You're right, you get around Pastor Sam and Kay and the team, they're steady people, right? They're not like screaming and yelling at you in the next minute, oh, we're friends again. And, and they're not fearing and worrying. They stay in faith, right? Why? Because they've understood some foundational things about what Jesus purchased for them. So here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to go into the scripture tonight and I want to show you something from the Old Testament because what Jesus was teaching is hidden in the Old Testament, right? But he's brought it to life and made it plain for us to see once he's come, he's died and he's redeemed us, right? So I want to look at this story and I think that we might have it, I'm not sure. It's from the book of 1 Kings chapter 17. And uh, if you have your Bible, you can turn there, 1 Kings chapter 17, a great, uh, a great story uh, familiar to many about a guy called Elijah. And uh, there's a verse that really helped me in believing and helping me to learn how to believe God. And it's from Romans 4, 17. It says that God calls things, God talks like things are done, even though they're not done yet. Right? The, Bible, the, the King James says, God calls things that are not as if they were or as they're going to be, right? Like Abraham, God, what did, even though he had no children, what did God say? You, you are the father of many nations. Yet he didn't have any kids. That's kind of weird, right? Yet this is how God operates. So I want to help you to understand this is how, as children of God, one of the keys to believing, one of the keys to seeing the supernatural in your life is learning not to call it like it is, but to call it as though it's going to be according to God's word. You will find anybody who operates in the miraculous in seeing miracles, in seeing financial miracles in their life, in seeing uh, prosperity in their life, in seeing favor, and, and, and these are the people who call things not like it is, but like, it, like God said it should be, right? That's called faith. So remember, prayer, prayer doesn't really do anything. What, what makes prayer work is faith, right? You can pray to the cows come home and won't do nothing, but faith makes prayer work. Faith makes prayer work. What is faith? Faith is believing that what Jesus did was enough, and you don't have to do anything except trust in what Jesus did. That's faith. Jesus, I believe what you said. Not, let me pray and read my Bible for three hours a day, then I'll pray. That's works. Right? Grace is, Jesus, I could never read my Bible enough to be worthy of this. I thank you that you redeemed me. I thank you that I'm now a child and I have kingdom rights and I choose to put my trust in there and I want to read your word so that I can know you more. Right? So let's have a look at this story in, uh, in 1 Kings chapter 17 and uh, I'm going to read from my Bible. You can read from yours and we've got it up on the screen. It says, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, Now King, I'll give you a bit of context. King Ahab is a bad dude. Everyone say, bad dude. Bad dude. And he... 
He was being used by the enemy to try and destroy God's prophets. And Elijah, the servant of God, he is sick and tired of this. And he comes up and says, I have listened, buddy. You think you're a hot shot, but I'm telling you, God's in charge. You might think you're in charge, but you're not in charge. And in fact, it's not going to rain around here until I say it's going to rain. There's going to be a drought. And King Ahab is mad and furious. And he's got this interesting wife called Jezebel. And she doesn't really like Elijah very much. And so God tells Elijah after he said this, Hey, listen, Elijah. I want you to go out into the wilderness. So we're going to pick the story up from here. And it says, uh, And the Lord God of Israel, as, uh, as, as short as the Lord of God Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Whoa. Now remember, Elijah's not God. But he walked in authority. And what did he say? There's not going to be any rain. Did he perform an anti-rain dance? I don't know. I don't think so. He just said, except at my word. So what does this tell you? Words carry authority. Words carry power. So let's continue and see. And it says here, uh, then and the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, get away from here and turn eastward and go hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the river Jordan. And it shall be to you that you shall drink from the brook And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went there and he did according to the word of the Lord. Stop right there. If God came to you and said, hey, listen, I want you to go and move way out past Dolby into a real desert area and uh, into the middle of the farming district and hang out there by a little river and you're going to drink from that river and I've commanded the seagulls to bring you fresh chips every day. Let's just say that's the word of the Lord that came to you. Do you know 99% of us would be like, yeah, nah. (laughs) Right? How ludicrous is this? The seagulls are going to bring me fish and chips every day? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yet what did Elijah do? Let's see. So Elijah went and did according to the word of the Lord. First principle. Logic never produces miracles. Logic never produced a miracle anywhere in the Bible. Faith produces miracles. Trusting in what Jesus said, right? So Elijah did. The first key to walking by faith is to obey what the Lord tells you to do. And I don't mind if it takes you a day, a week, a month, or a year. Just do what God told you to do. That's the first key. The reason most people don't see the miraculous is they never do what God told them. I guarantee you, if you have not seen breakthrough in an area of your life over a certain period of time, then there's a key. I would encourage you to go back and think of the last thing that God told you to do and have you actually done it? Have you actually done what God, if God told you to sow, did you actually do it? If God told you to go ask for forgiveness, did you actually do it? If God told you to serve, did you actually do it, right? I'm always get convicted in my heart because there'd been times where I hadn't done what God told me to do. And here I am pressing on going, oh, I'll just pray in harder. And God's like, hey, it's really simple, buddy. Before you can get to step B, you first have to do step A. And we can, we can do this dance as long as you want, Sean. And as soon as you're ready to get to step A, we can move straight on to step B. But we're not going to step B until you get to step A because I don't want you to think that you made this happen. 
I'm looking for your trust and your obedience. And we continue on. And, uh, and so he did according to the word of the Lord, verse 5, and he went on his state at the brook, the brook Cherith, which flows from the, draw, the Jordan, and the ravens bought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Right? That's pretty good. Whoa, God kept his word. Go figure. Uh, and then it says this, and it happened after a while. Now, who knows? That would take a fair bit of faith to dare to believe God. He's living out there. And then it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now, hang on a minute. He, Elijah said there's not going to be any rain because he wanted Ahab, who was evil, to understand God's the king around here. Surely God would let the brook keep flowing for Elijah, right? No. Sometimes things change. Surely, surely because I'm a Christian, I'll just be blessed all the time. Well, sometimes natural things happen in our world. Sometimes you do get sick. Sometimes you do get fired. Sometimes things come. But God always has the plan. God has your, you, you got to step A, and step A is pretty good. And now God's like, awesome, time to move on. Let's move to step B. Why? God wants to have your complete trust. He wants to take you from faith to faith to faith to faith to faith to your unmovable, unstoppable, always looking at Jesus, nothing moves you. Right? But if you live off the last miracle God did for you three, four, ten, ten years ago, then you live in the past. And God wants you always. He's always. God is looking for maximum fruitfulness. God is looking for great increase. So let's have a look here and see what happens. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Listen to the word. Jesus, uh, God says, See, I have commanded. Everyone say, Have. The word have implies it's already done. Would you agree? If God says, I have commanded a widow to feed you and provide for you, it means he's already done it. Agreed. Okay, let's keep reading and see what happens. So he gets there. He arose. Again, he was obedient. A widow. Wouldn't it be better? I have commanded a multimillionaire to look after you. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I have commanded a very wealthy family to take care of you. Oh, that makes sense. I've commanded a broke widow who's got nothing, whose husband died, she has nothing to look after you. Huh? Right? Logic never produces miracles. Right? Let's have a look what happens here. And he says, so he arose and he went. Do you think he expected God to keep his word? He sure did. Let's have a look. He arose and he went and he came out to the gate of the city. And indeed, look, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called out to her and he said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, as if that wasn't enough for this poor widow, Elijah called her and said, and also, please bring me some bread in your hand. And she turns to him and says, as the Lord your God lives... I do not have any bread, but only a handful of flour in a bin, a little oil in a jar. I'm gathering a couple of sticks. I can go prepare some bread for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Hmm. I have commanded a widow to feed you, but she has nothing to feed you with. Do you see the problem with logic? 
Elijah could sit there and go, huh? It don't look like you commanded that widow to feed me because she doesn't have anything to feed me with, really, God. The widow's looking there. If God, let's be, let's be logical. If God had commanded the widow to feed him, we in our natural mind would go, she would have turned and said, of course, prophet Elijah, I will go and make you some bread straight away. Right? But she says, as surely as the Lord lives, I don't have anything to feed you with. I've got a tiny bit of oil, a tiny bit of flour, just enough for me and my son. Doesn't sound like God's spoken to her. But God calls things that be not as they're going to be. Because what? The, The angel of the Lord, the Holy Spirit has come and touched that woman's heart that at the right time, when the right situation comes, she will obey the voice. She will do what God has commanded. I've seen so many miracles in my life, time and time and time and time and time again, where it didn't look like it was going to happen, but God calls someone to be obedient. There's been many times in my life I've had no idea of a need. The Holy Spirit's told me, hey, Sean, I want you to take a financial seed and go bless that family. I have no idea about their need. It's not, I, but I don't need to, it doesn't matter. My job is to be obedient. And I go and give and find out, oh my gosh, we've been praying for that exact amount of money or to do something. Wow. The Lord told me recently, wow. four months ago, I have a beautiful acoustic guitar that, that was my dream guitar for many years. And it was sitting in my office and I played it maybe once every two months. And the Holy Spirit told me, I want you to take your guitar and I want you to sew it into this young man that lived in a town three and a half hours away. I met him four months ago. I remember the Lord put that on my heart and this was my dream guitar. Even though I didn't play it much, I was like, God, are you sure? You're really sure? And God's like, Sean, this guitar used to be your dream, but I've given you a bigger vision. But it's his dream now. That's his dream to have what I gave you sow it into him I'll give you another one and do you know what I didn't do it straight away because I was like man nah that's three and a half thousand dollar guitar like you know (laughs) are you sure Jesus but you see money I have no problems I've given thousands sowed thousands of dollars I have no problem with money but this was something that I a possession right I've written seven albums on that guitar And I wrestled with it, and it wouldn't let me go. Wouldn't let me go. I'm like, man, it's like a bad smell. Won't leave you alone. God's like, come on, Sean. Come on, Sean. Come on, Sean. And then I was like, okay, Jesus. (laughs) Okay, Lord, I trust you. But I said, God, I'm going to do a Gideon. God, I'm going to message him. And I'm just going to ask him how he's going. And I just thank you for confirmation. And I message him. I say, hey, bro, how's things going? And, uh, um, you know, uh, he's, uh, and, and long story short, he messaged me, he goes, dude, I'm going really, really great. Things are awesome with the family. And he goes, um, unfortunately, my guitar is broken, so I have to uh, try and find another one or something to get it f- before while I get this one repaired. I'm like, no. <laughs> 
And, and long story short, in the meantime, we'd been, we'd been living in a caravan for 10 years, right? Traveling, sharing the love of Jesus. Not because we're poor, just we chose to do it, live debt-free so we could travel as a family itinerantly. But Rena and I, we've been declaring, God, thank you, you have our house. When the time is right, you have our house. And thank you, God, it's going to be everything that we desire and everything that we don't want it to be. Be such a blessing. And in the midst of about five, six weeks ago, my wife and I looked at each other. This story makes sense. We looked at each other and uh, my wife looked at me and she goes, Sean, I'm done living in the caravan. I was like, you know what? Me too. You ready for a house? She's like, we're ready for it. We said, Jesus, we'll take our house now. <laughs> I kid you not. Yeah. We'll take our house now. And the next day, someone calls me up and says, hey, listen, um, I heard you guys have got a massive caravan. I just lost my house in the bushfires in Batemans Bay in New South Wales. Would you be able to, I'd like to buy it. Would you be able to drive it over here? Could you leave tomorrow two, in two days time and drive it 16 hours to me? I'd be so grateful. I was like, that was a little quicker than I thought. <laughs> and we're like, sure, we pack it up, we drive it over there. We get to share Jesus with, with these guys. Had some amazing family and friends and we we're able to bless them and give them $10,000 and sow into their life and help them rebuild their home. And, and they're just so overwhelmed with the goodness of God. And we're driving home and Rena, and I, Rena looks at me and she goes, where are we gonna live? <laughs> it's not that we don't have money, but it's like, you can't just get a house. Like, can't just, I'm not just gonna buy a house just like that. I'm gonna take my time to think about it. And I'm gonna, you can't just go get a rental just like that, you know? And I was like, I don't know. Where are we gonna live, God? That's your problem, right? You said, cast all your kiss. And this is how you've gotta be. This is how you've got to be. But we carry these problems instead of letting Jesus carry it. Instead of saying, it's already done. God's already provided, remember? We go on and we hear in the story. And the widow, she obeys and she goes, but nevertheless, I will make a cake for you first. Yeah. She obeyed the voice of the Lord. God is going to cause the right people at the right time to come into your world to do the right things to help you accomplish your assignment. In the same way, He's going to cause you to say the right things, sow the right things, be at the right place to help someone else accomplish their assignment. And on the way home, we're driving going, I don't know where we're going to live. God, that's your problem. I refuse to worry about that. And on the way home, someone calls me. I haven't spoken to them for more than a year. They say, hey, Sean, hey, boo, we just saw, we just heard that, you know, you guys sold your van. That's awesome. Hey, listen, we're moving to the Gold Coast in two days' time. And, like, do we have a beautiful five-bedroom house with an amazing view over the Adelaide Hills and its brand-new kitchen. It's just a big yard. And, dude, we would love for you guys to have a house. We have solar, so no electricity. And, and we get about $1,000 a year rebate, so you guys can have that as well. And that'll pay your gas. So you just got to pay for the water. I'm like, let me think about that. Sure, we'll take it. And people are like, whoa, this is crazy. How did this happen? God has already prepared that for your life as well. That for every single person's life. But he's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting. Amen. And as we go on and we read the rest of this story, we see this widow gets mightily blessed because of her obedience. And Elijah is blessed, is taken care of because he dared to trust the word of the Lord. When God said, I've commanded, even though it didn't look like it. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, God has commanded 
finance into your life, healing into your life, provision, wisdom, job. He's commanded great friends for your kids. He has spoken everything. But the key is, your job is to dare to believe what he says. Make up your mind that everything in here you're going to, you read, you're going to believe. And if you'll do that, I guarantee you, you're going to experience a greater level of breakthrough, a greater level of faith, a greater level of the power and presence of God in your life. But as long as you wrestle with, is this really true? As long as your logic rules your mind, Christianity is going to be a struggle for you. And you are one decision away. Revelation comes when you make your mind up to dare to believe. Revelation comes when you make your mind up to first believe. Friends, there's great days for you in this house. Do you want great days in your life? You get to choose. I get to choose. And when you miss it, God's still standing at the altar. He's still sitting on the throne saying, my eyes on you. I'm watching you. I love you. Come boldly. Come boldly. You may have messed up, but my son lived right. Trust in his righteousness. You're not righteous because you believed. You're righteous because of what Jesus did. So I want to encourage you tonight. Faith, when you pray, my challenge to you is believe you receive when you pray. And you talk like you've got it. You act like you've got it. You walk like you've got it. It doesn't matter what it looks like because you know logic doesn't produce miracles. Faith does. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.